0: Mantle continues his surge, and Willie Mays gets in on the fun. It's Episode 5 of Baseball 61. There it is. There it is. If it stays fair, there it is, number 60. How about that? A standing ovation for Roger Maris, who got number 60. Baseball hit keeps around. Hello everyone and welcome to Baseball 61, a podcast about the historic 1961 New York Yankees and the Major League Baseball season of 1961. This is Episode 5. I'm Dan Lavallo. We pick up with Thursday, April 27th. After falling behind 2-0, the Yankees rallied for a 4-3 win over the Cleveland Indians before 8,897 at Yankee Stadium. And once again, it was Mickey Mantle who knocked in the winning run. The game was played in a tidy one hour and 58 minutes. It was also the second straight win for the Bombers, who improved to 7-4 and four and trailed Minnesota by a game and a half. The Yankees were in third place. The game was tied 3-3 in the last of the seventh when the Bombers rallied. Tony Kubek singled and moved to second at a wild pitch. With two outs, Mantle came to the plate Necessitating a visit by Cleveland manager Jimmy Dykes as he visited starting pitcher Johnny Antonelli, the same Johnny Antonelli who once pitched for the New York Giants. Batting right handed against Antonelli, a southpaw, Mantle tripled to the 407 foot mark in right center to give the Yankees a 4 3 advantage. Mickey wasn't done yet, however. In the ninth inning, after starting pitcher Art Dittmar retired the first two batters. Of course, now you'd bring in the closer, but Dittmar was out there. Retired the first two batters in the ninth. Remember, it was a badge of honor to pitch a complete game back in 1961. So Dittmar gets the first two batters, serves up a single to Willie Kirkland. Bubba Phillips then smashes a drive to right center, which would have tied the game, but Mantle made a spick. Spectacular running, lunging, diving catch to preserve Ditmar's complete game victory and improve the right-handed pitcher's record to two and zero. Wouldn't you have loved to hear the voice of the Yankees Mel Allen on that call? Mickey makes a spectacular diving catch. How about that? oh to go back and get a recording of that game. By the way. The Indians on April 27th made news off the field when they announced that Gabe Paul would be their new general manager. This was interesting because Paul had signed a three-year deal in November to be the GM of the new Houston National League expansion franchise. But not even six months into that deal, he bows out to become Cleveland general manager. And if the name sounds familiar, it should. Gabe Paul would become the first major executive hired by George Steinbrenner when he led a group that purchased the Yankees in 1973 from CBS. By the way, April 27th was also a significant date because the Los Angeles Angels played their first home game at Wrigley Field. That's the minor league ballpark, not the ballpark in Chicago, but Wrigley Field owned by the same person who owned the Cubs and Wrigley Field in Chicago chewing-gum magnet Philip Wrigley. Wrigley uh, owned that uh, field in Los Angeles, and in fact, that was the site where the popular TV series Home Run Derby was uh, filmed at. So the Angels opened up their first home game, and they lost the 3-hour and 13-minute game to the Twins 4-2. But guess what? The attendance was only eleven thousand nine hundred thirty-one. The capacity for the ballpark was 20,500, and the Angels were hoping for a sellout, but it did not happen. However, among those in the crowd of nearly 12,000, former Vice President Richard Nixon, Baseball Commissioner Ford Frick, American League President Joe Cronin, former American League President Will Harridge, Ty Cobb, Dodgers owner Walter O'Malley, former Yankees manager Casey Stengel, and Yankees co-owner Del Webb whose company would someday build the Angels' new ballpark in Anaheim. <laughs> what a crowd. Also of note, on this date, April 27, 1961, the Cincinnati Reds traded catcher Ed Bailey, age 30, to the San Francisco Giants for second baseman Don Blassingame, catcher Bob Schmidt, and a player to be named. At the time, the Giants were in first place by three games over the seventh-place Reds. Friday April 28th, Yankees and Indians scheduled for Yankee Stadium, but they are rained out. Story written in the New York Times by Robert L. Teague focused on the great start by Mantle, and how he was turning booze to cheers. You know, it seems hard to believe, but Mantle was booed and sometimes booed unmercifully by Yankees fans on a regular basis. Until 1961, and many point to 61 as the year those boos turned to persistent cheers as Yankees fans rooted for Mantle to break Babe Ruth's single-season home run record over his teammate Roger Maris. Now, while the Yankees were rained out, 40-year-old Warren Spahn was making news. April 28, 1961, the future Hall of Fame left-hander tosses the second no-hitter of his career, pitching the Milwaukee Braves to a 1-0 victory over the San Francisco Giants before 8,518 fans at Milwaukee's County Stadium. It was also the 290th career win for him. It was also the 52nd shutout of his career as he outpitched hard-throwing right-hander Sam Jones of the Giants. The Braves managed but five hits, but scored the game's only run in the first inning on Guess What? A run-scoring single by Hank Aaron. After the game, here is what Spahn said. Quote, this is ridiculous. A fellow my age shouldn't be pitching no-hitters. Among the heroes in the game, by the way, was Milwaukee shortstop Roy McMillan, who played a fine game in the field that night. If that name sounds familiar, he later went on for a time to play for the New York Mets and briefly managed the Mets. When Yogi Berra was fired as the Mets manager, uh, near the end of July in 1975, Roy McMillan was hired to take Yogi's place. Incidentally, the catcher in that game, the the, the fellow who caught Spons' no-hitter, a rookie by the name of Charlie Lau, the regular catcher, Dell Crandall, was sidelined with an injury. Lau caught the game, and he later went on as a hitting instructor, a hitting instructor with some renown. He influenced a lot of hitters, including George Brett, and he also became a hitting instructor with the New York Yankees. Saturday, April 29th. It's a cool afternoon with rain in the forecast at Yankee Stadium. But the Yankees defeat the Cleveland Indians 4-2 in front of 14,624 fans. And they improved their record to 8-4 in quick fashion. It took only two hours and ten minutes to play the game. This time, Yogi Berra was the hero. Yogi followed a Mickey Mantle single in the first inning with his first home run of the season. And Roger Maris added the other two runs with a sack fly and run scoring single. John Drebinger writing in the New York Times, Maris was showing signs of shaking his early season slump. Remember, through now 12 games, Maris had hit only one home run. Louis Arroyo pitched a scoreless 8th and ninth inning in relief of starter Ralph Terry, who won his first game of the season. And the left fielder in that game for Cleveland was Tito Francona. He went 0 for 4 in the contest. His son Terry, often referred to as Tito, of course, is now the manager of the Indians. Sunday, April 30th. How did the Yankees do against the Indians? They didn't play the Indians. They were still doing this in the late 50s and early 60s, where you would begin a weekend series on a Friday, end it on a Saturday, and begin a new series on a Sunday. And that's what the Yankees did. After the Saturday game, they went to Washington, D.C. to play the new Washington Senators at Old Griffith Stadium in a Sunday doubleheader. And in front of 21,904 fans on Sunday, April 30th, the Yankees won the opener 4-3, Whitey Ford improved his record to 3-1, and one, pitched six innings of two-run baseball, and guess what? One day, after pitching two scoreless innings in relief against the Indians, Louis Arroyo came on again, pitched another two scoreless innings. It was preceded by one scoreless inning from reliever Bill Stafford. The Yankees did drop the second game 2-1 to one as rookie Roland Sheldon made his first start. Remarkably, the 61 Yankees. In a home run hitter's ballpark, Griffith Stadium, double doubleheader against the expansionist Washington Senators did not hit a home run. But it didn't mean the balls weren't flying out of ballparks on that Sunday because in Milwaukee, where the San Francisco Giants were clobbering the Milwaukee Braves 14-4, Willie Mays slugged four home runs, knocked in eight becoming the ninth player to that point in history to homer four times in a game. The Giants, who slugged eight homers in the contest, also set a National League record by hitting a total of 13 homers in two straight games. By the way, guess who had a front row seat for this dramatic game and this tremendous performance by Willie Mays? You might have heard of him. Milwaukee Braves infielder Billy Martin, who appeared in the game as a pinch hitter. Not to be outdone on this date. The Baltimore Orioles tied a Major League record as Jim Gentile, Gus Triandos, and Ron Hansen hit back-to-back-to-back home runs in the O's 4-2 victory over Detroit in the second game of their doubleheader. So the standings at the end of play on this Sunday, April 30th, looked like this. Detroit led the second-place Yankees, who were now 9-5, and by one game in the American League, with the Angels in last place five and a half games back, while the National League standings... The Giants were on top by a half game over Pittsburgh and one over the Dodgers. Cincinnati was in last place four games out. And there was some other sports news on this Sunday, April 30th, 1961. Arnold Palmer carded an eagle on the 15th hole to boost him to victory at the Texas Open in San Antonio. Total prize money for that golf tournament? $30,000. How much did Palmer win? $4,300. Monday, May 1st, the Yankees had a day game scheduled in Washington, and it was on radio only. No WPIX TV. As it turned out, there wasn't even a game on radio. The Yankees were rained out yet again. But Yankees manager Ralph Houck was singing the praises of rookie pitcher Roland Sheldon. Remember, he started the second game of that doubleheader against the Senators. And although he was the losing pitcher, the 6-foot-5-inch, 185-pound right-hander allowed just two runs on five hits, struck out eight, and walked only two over those seven innings. Here's what Houck said of Sheldon. Quote, He certainly impressed us. It won't be long before we'll be starting him again. Houck added that the current plan was to keep Sheldon as a spot starter. As for his performance, Sheldon added, I made the wrong pitch to Dale Long, and I also got a little mixed-up pitching to Gene Woodling. Well, those names should sound familiar. Long and Woodling did play for the New York Yankees. For the Yankees, it was now on to Minnesota to play their first-ever game in the Twin Cities. Meanwhile, on May 1st, the Boston Red Sox were making news as Jackie Jensen left the team while the Red Sox were in Cleveland. Here's what Jensen had to say. I've had it. I know when my reflexes are gone and I'm not going to be any 25th man on the ball club. So Jensen, who had a fear of flying, he did not like to fly, took a train from Cleveland to his home in Crystal Bay, Nevada. And even in those days, the media was able to not only track Jensen down, but his wife the former Zoanne Olsen, who was once an Olympic diving champion, here's what she said about Jackie. I'm just speculating, but I have to think Jack feels he's hurting Boston's chances. So Jackie Jensen retired. As for the Red Sox, they were tied for fourth at 7-7, seven and seven, three games behind the first-place Tigers. Tuesday, May 2nd. The Yankees were in Minnesota, and once again, the game would not be televised. But there was an ad in the New York Times. Catch the Yanks versus Twins today and tomorrow, 3.25 p.m. on WCBS Radio 880. Play-by-play by by Mel Allen, Red Barber, and Phil Rizzuto. Pre-game baseball warm-up with Marty Glickman. The Yankees-Twins game, New York's first in Minnesota, a classic example of how baseball has changed. 16,669 fans in attendance on a cold afternoon. But the Yankees tied the game 2-2 in the seventh inning as Moose Scowron hit a solo homer off of twin starting pitcher Camilo Pasquale. Now here we are in the tenth inning, still tied, 2-2. And who's out there? Starter Camilo Pasquale. He retired the first two batters in that tenth inning before giving up a double to Tony Kubek, followed by walks to Hector Lopez and Roger Maris. Still no reliever. Cookie Lavagetto, the manager of the Minnesota Twins, pacing in the dugout, but he was not going to go to his bullpen. He was going to have his starting pitcher in the 10th inning, Camilo Pascual, face Mickey Mantle. And Mick did not disappoint. He slugged a grand slam, four hundred two feet from home plate into the center field bleachers. The twins did rally for two runs in the bottom of the tenth, but the Yankees held on for a six to four victory as Jim Coates picked up the win in relief. And guess who closed it out? Louis Arroyo, after Ryan Duran failed to retire a batter in that tenth inning. The home run by Mantle is eighth of the season. In the Yankees' 16th game, remember, one game was rained out, but the records counted because it was rained out after the fifth inning. It was also the sixth Grand Slam of Mickey's career. Meanwhile, both the Twins and Yankee players had some complaints about the Twins' new ballpark, Metropolitan Stadium, which was still under construction. They were still building that park, but games were being played. The the players complained about the batter's eye in center field. It was painted too light a color green, they said, And the outfielders had a difficult time picking up fly balls, losing the ball against the backdrop of the ballpark's third deck. It had those three decks, and they went real high, and the outfielders are having a difficult time picking up fly balls. Wednesday, May 3rd. What do you mean picking up fly balls? Picking up the flight of the fly balls. Wednesday, I mean, how could you pick up a fly ball, right? Wednesday, May 3rd, the Yankees pounded out 12 hits and routed the twin starter Pedro Ramos, who would someday be a Yankee, in a 7-3 win in front of 18,158. And the big hitter was Roger Maris, who slugged his second home run of the season, a three-run blast to highlight a four-run seventh inning. Although Mantle didn't homer, he did have two singles extending his hitting streak to 15 games. Bob Turley hurled the distance, improving to 3-1 on the season. Yogi Berra was supposed to catch the game, but was a late scratch with a sore neck. Johnny Blanchard, who lived in Minneapolis, got the call to replace the redoubtable Berra, and he went 1-5 for five with an RBI. The win also lifted the Yankees into a first-place tie with the Tigers, both clubs at 11-5. Meanwhile, off the field, a former Yankee was making news, Gil McDougal. Remember him? He retired at the end of the 1960 season from the Yankees, the only big league team on which he ever played. He was hired by former Yankees general manager George Weiss, now the president of the yet-to-be-named New York National League Expansion Club, to be a scout. I've never wanted to coach or manage a baseball team, the 33-year-old McDougal told the media. That would have meant traveling and being away from my family. That's the reason I gouted out as an active player. I was tired of the travel, which kept me away from my family. I probably could have played a couple more years, but I thought it would be better to get out while I was still at the top rather than to start downhill. McDougald continued, My interest in baseball is as keen as ever, and I've been watching high school and college games around Bergen and Essex Counties. McDougal had a great career, a four-time All-Star, owned a maintenance company in New Jersey. He and his wife had four children. Weiss said of McDougal, the 22nd scout he had hired for the new National League club, Gill always was a student of baseball, the type who would lend himself to scouting. Thursday, May 4th. It was Game 18 of the season, and Mickey Mantle slugged his ninth home run as the Yankees completed a three-game sweep of the Twins' with a 5-2 win before 18,179 fans. Remember, the Yankees had that tie to go along with that 12-5 record that kept them with the Detroit Tigers in that first-place deadlock. Whitey Ford pitched the first six innings. Good old Whitey improving to 4-1 as the Yankees beat lefty Jim Cott, who would someday pitch for the team and later become a well-respected Yankees broadcaster. Cott, a rookie, was lifted in the second inning. Mantle's home run came in the sixth inning. At the end of the day, Mantle, now riding a 16-game inning streak, was batting three hundred forty eight, leading the league in home runs with nine and in runs battered in with 24. Off the field in the National League, the Dodgers and Phillies made a trade. Los Angeles obtained hard-throwing relief pitcher Dick Farrell and minor league infielder Joe Coppe from the Phils in return for outfielder Don Demeter and rookie infielder Charlie Smith. This would be the same Charlie Smith who would play for the Mets and the same Charlie Smith the Yankees traded for when they dealt Roger Maris to St. Louis. The Dodgers, by the way, were at 11-10 and 10 in fourth place, two games behind the first-place Giants, so they were trying to make something happen. That's for the Phils, They were in last place at 6-13, six lengths off the pace. Well, that's going to do it for our latest Baseball 61 podcast. Be sure to follow our podcast in the Apple Podcast Directory, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also visit Baseball61.com. And as always, thanks for listening. I'm Dan LaValle.